You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Round one, fight! Can't we do our own secret shows? All our shows are secret shows. And we have the tools, we have talent! You have to use so many cuss words. Let's go! Ooh, yeah! Did you see anything good lately? Like in the last week? You know we did. Uh, or continue, two? Continuing the uh, uh, summer movie train, I guess. Yeah. Trying to trying to catch up on those. Uh, finally got around to starting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, nice. Uh, I say started because have not finished that uh, movie yet. We've made it about halfway through. Oh, we started a little late, so we're getting a little tired. But then honestly, the next day, Jen and I were both found ourselves not really eager to jump back into it oh wow just not getting the same feeling well i mean okay so that movie we hold it a very special place because it was the first movie we saw in theaters it was like our first movie date yeah um and neither one of us had seen it before and on top of it being a fantastic movie joe i remember you at the time saying it was like the 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 new star wars you know yeah so we love that first one the second one we enjoy a lot too obviously not as strong as the first one. Um, and we were really kind of hoping to go out with a bang. And so far, it's, I mean, it, look, it's, we know it's the last one, right? We know it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a downer, uh-huh. you know, from the very opening credits, just a somber tone. Well, um, even the trailer has a somber tone to it. True. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's not what made us fall in love with the Guardians movies. No. And I'm already kind of like one foot out the door on the whole MCU anyway. So uh, I, I guess I was just hoping for it to be stronger and remind us what we loved about that first one. And I just haven't got that vibe yet. We will yeah. finish it. I bought it. Uh, so we have to. But um, yeah, that's our feelings. That's a, it's a shame because the the way that Guardians, when Guardians came into the MCU, it was this breath of fresh air because it was like yeah. everything has been so serious. And now, you know... It's okay to laugh again. It's okay to be wacky. And James Gunn, you know, essentially just kind of changed the language of the MCU with that one film. And mm-hmm. suddenly they were like, all right, we could do that with Thor. Like Thor Ragnarok can be, it's okay to be funny, but also have some gravitas to it. And and they did that with all these other movies. But then suddenly it was like within the course of Infinity War and Endgame mm-hmm. yep. was like where like the whole thing with Peter Quill and Thanos and all of that, like they did something that was so against what his character, character is. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and then we had to like live with the consequences of that. I know. And then it's like s- suddenly like everything post Endgame has been just sad. It's yeah. been so downer and sad. Like, you know, you had the whole thing with like, th- I don't know if you saw the, the, the new Thor, but, you know, that one said Wanda sad. Yeah. Like, I. And that's one of the reasons why I loved the new Doctor Strange, because it was fun. Like, it still had some of that tragic Wanda stuff going on, Mm. but it was also, like, it was also really fun. Um, And that's why I liked Loki, too. Loki was super fun. I love Loki. But then, like, everything else has been like this. Just seeing the trailer for Guardians, like, okay, so we're going to have this sad story, because I know I've read the comics. I know what the high evolutionary is all about. You know, so basically we're going to watch a movie about like animal cruelty and yes, and experiments and like that's fun, I guess. Yeah. And and also the whole thing about like Gamora and Quill and yeah. like he's Ooh, sad because she's gone or is she gone? I don't know. But yeah, there there is like I can I can see what you're saying. Like there's there's definitely a different 
DNA to this movie. Yes. And I don't know what the reason is. It's the same thing we talked about last week about Indiana Jones. Like, why does everything right now have to be so sad? Yeah. Why does even like these old heroes have to be sad? Everybody, everything has to be sad. What is, is this a product? Because I know the MCU is kind of a product of like nerds of the eighties, you know, and, you know, kind of coming in and we're, we're bringing the stuff that we grew up with. And now that's becoming the big popular thing. Yep. But then there's also like this resurgence of like um, stuff like uh, Cobra Kai and Wicked, where we get now the tragic backstory of what made the villain the villain <laughs> and right. redeem them. Why, like there, there comes a point, I think, where we we don't have to get too deep into the emotions. Am, do I sound callous saying that? Am I, I no, think maybe I, well, I've become desensitized. I'm, I also feel like an asshole saying, Oh, this movie's too sad. Like, like, the, like, <laughs> like everything has to be popcorn and gumballs and rainbows. Like, you know, I, the, we want some emotional complexity, but we also want to have a good yeah. time. Like at the, at the heart of it, these uh -huh. are still like superhero movies. So yeah, we're kind of falling into a little bit of the Zack Snyder trap. Uh, which is ironic because yeah. James Gunn is basically the new Zack Snyder, uh, but and I hope that doesn't translate into uh, a dour tone uh, for his DCU. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just, I and I and I while I love Ted Lasso, like I, I don't know, they're just. Yeah, I know. Right? It seems to be now we've we've entered this generation of like people are working through some shit. <laughs> And I feel like, I feel like that's fine. But as being the guy that also loves like the eighties masters of the universe movie, like <laughs> right. sometimes just it's okay to just have some, like some popcorn fun, like give yeah, me some, some laughs. And I guess that's why, that's why I love the fast and the furious, you know, because yeah, they're unapologetic with the way that they are. It's very much escapism, mm -hmm. uh, the fast and the furious and what we're going to be talking about today oh. on the podcast uh right here on low res high def uh your you know it used to be a podcast that we did about movies uh yep. and then we did a podcast about video games and then we're mm -hmm. like why are we pigeonholing ourselves into one thing let's just talk about everything everything that makes us who we are the kinds sure. of nerds that we are the fans that we are we grew up low res atari nintendo and then we grew up through like the the 64-bit era the the digital era with playstation and mm -hmm. uh and then we we we've basically followed xbox and playstation and all like the high def consoles just to come back around and now we're the guys that buy the hdmi mini versions <laughs> yep. of the of the low-res video games uh so that's in a nutshell Joe sitting right next to my uh, playstation 4 pro uh is a uh, snes mini classic uh, oh yeah both hooked up to the same 4k oled tv dude let me tell you man i've been playing uh instead of playing tears of the kingdom i've been playing paper mario and when i'm not playing paper <laughs> mario i just got a copy of x-men wolverine's revenge for the game boy advance oh no, you hate that game that i've been playing no 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 not for game boy advance not oh you not love this one no dude no wolverine's revenge is great this is the good one okay, okay. so Wolverine's Revenge is good, and mm -hmm. also they released a game called um, <clears throat> what was it? Uh, uh, X Men Origins Wolverine, and there's that whole. I think I've told you about this too. Like there was this whole yeah, phenomenon where movie? it's like the movie the movie sucked, mm -hmm. but the video game was one of the best games ever released. Uh, and it was brought <laughs> to the, down to by the, the point film, where. Huh? 
where yeah where people were like making f- uh they were making fake trailers to go see x-men origins wolverine the game the, game. the movie <laughs> <laughs> where it's like we're going to go see x-men origins wolverine the game you mean the movie no the the game <laughs> it's it's fantastic uh so something good did come out of that okay yeah something wonderful came out of it uh but uh, you know again i've I, i've been splitting my time between like two ancient games right now at this point <laughs> instead of jumping into tears of the kingdom and a lot of that has to do and i know we've talked about this before with my whole hang up with uh pleasure delay I yes. delay pleasure. If something I if I know something's going to be really good, mm-hmm. I want to get other stuff out of the way first. Kind of like the way I eat food. I eat the stuff that I know isn't Ooh, as delicious the as the, calories. The, the main thing. Oh, yeah, like if if I get like um let's say like if I get a, a burger and it's like mm-hmm. I get burger and the burger's just fantastic. The fries are pretty good, but the burger's fantastic. The uh, I'll eat the fries. First. I'm going to go through the fries first, <laughs> then I attack the burger. I don't want to get delayed or, or, or I mean, I don't want to get distracted yeah. rather with something that isn't as good. Like I have got a method and my whole life people have been like, why don't you just eat it all at once? Just like have a few bites of fries, have a few bites mm-hmm. of burgers. Something and to, to look that forward I say, to. fuck you, eat the way you want to eat and let me eat the way I eat. That's right. Yeah. It's the same person that used to beat me up because I eat my cheeseburger in a circle. <laughs> I eat all the way around. Oh, do and you? And then I oh, attack that's interesting. the center. Yes, because the center is always mixed the best. I eat my Reese's peanut butter cups that way. Yeah. Mm, yeah, you have to yeah, the, the meat to toppings ratio. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So there you go. Learning way too much about me and my psychoses. <laughs> um, well, just wait till we dive in. Before we get in, before we get into the topic of tonight, mm. uh, which I'm really excited to do because last week was super fun for me. Um, now, the, <laughs> the thing that I'm going to be suffering from is like I, I'm less comfortable being the one that's in the hot seat so yeah i may ramble nervously while i'm doing this but before we get into that uh what is your obsession what's your current obsession what's your obsession (laughs) what's your obsession so my obsession this week isn't really even my obsession or anything i should be proud of uh Uh but uh, we had some friends you and i have mutual friends joe that uh, have just uh welcomed a newborn into the uh, world been waiting for a little penny to uh i've been using the Penny, 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 Joe, uh, ad nauseum, sending that gif uh, to poor Shanna for the and last I, nine months. And I've months. been going, Penny for your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but here she is. She's finally here. So uh, we're, uh, at least in this household, um, have been on baby watch for quite some time and uh, obsessed with yeah. little pictures of that little nugget. Oh, my gosh, with a full head of hair. She's adorable. Um, oh my gosh, I she's so cute. Don't have any children of my own. Don't plan to have any children, but uh, I could literally hear my wife ovulating looking at these photos. Um, <laughs> it was that. That's so funny. We were both that obsessed with this child. They make some cute kids. Those those guys. I don't want to say yeah, their last do. name. Just to, you know, I don't. Congrats I don't wanna... to Walton Shanna. But yes, to Walton Shanna. That's oh my, my obsession. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so I'm so happy for them. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see that kiddo. Uh, what I love is seeing the pictures of Walt because he looks he looks thrilled. He looks fantastic. He looks so happy. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. like at the same time, I'm just imagining he's like got the alarm is going off in his head like, oh, no, 
How do, I mean, first off, just to be to be a girl dad, not just to have a kid again, but to be mm-hmm. a girl dad and now double that anxiety, you know, like, oh, oh yeah. God, like there's just a whole other level of worry that comes from being a girl dad. And absolutely. Welcome to welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> you know what, Joe? You actually yeah. just reminded me of another obsession this week, uh, a new show that we've been watching on Amazon Prime called uh, The Power. Are you familiar with this? Came out a few months mm-hmm. ago. No. It's a mostly female cast, and here's the premise. It's it's present day, uh, and all of a sudden, it's kind of like X-Men, but only for women. Women start getting this uh, this power, this electricity. <laughs> they can make sparks and what? what? Whatever. Why can't, why can't women just do their own thing? I know, exactly. <laughs> why, why, why's it got to be X-Women? Why's it got to be X-Women? Why's it got to be, we could just leave the man stuff alone? Why they got to make a woman version of everything? That's so funny you say that, Joe, and salient, because uh, uh, on the IMDb page where people had reviews, because I was, I was kind of researching it, because it's a, it's a really great show. I, I, uh, the, yeah, again, the premise is uh, women start getting this, this power of electricity um, where they can shock people or, or you know, cause uh, uh, water to, to be electrified. Um, yeah. And how it changes. I mean, that's just kind of like the sci-fi premise of it. But what the show is really about, the theme, is how it kind of changes the power structure now when w- men can't force themselves onto women or force their wills. Uh, you know, when, when women now have the upper hand mm-hmm. uh, genetically um, and, uh, and and how that's playing out. And, uh, yeah, predictably, there are uh, little man babies on YouTube or, or oh, yeah. on, on the Internet complaining about uh, basically what you just said. But uh, still, yeah, uh, really impressed with the production value uh, and the acting uh, and the story. So check it out. The power on Amazon. Prime. I just don't I don't understand why anything that has to do with like just empowering females like is so threatening to people. Did you see that? Yeah. Like the, that Shapiro guy. What's his name? Not no, Robert ben Shapiro. Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Like that ass hat. About the Barbie movie. Like he went out <laughs> yes, and he's talking about like how dangerous the Barbie movie is to, you know, to people and whatever to society. It's a grown man. And he went and like burned Barbie dolls in a barbecue. And it's like, yeah. What? All this performative uh, outrage. You're a grown ass man. Exactly. These, yeah. these people, they're, they're trying to make us all gay. It's like, no. <laughs> people just want to live their lives and enjoy what they want it's to enjoy. It's a movie about Barbie. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not for you. So just well, leave I, it alone. I don't know. Shouldn't it? Can it be? Because it's uh... well, it's clearly not for Ben Shapiro. It's not for the Tucker Carlson's of the world. And the, and the thing is, they know that. They know that, like, the Barbie movie isn't going to be for you. It's about a woman who is, like, Barbie, in in essence, and I, Harper went and saw it with some friends. I want to take Sarah to see it because I'm really curious. No, I haven't seen it yet. But, I mean, my whole thing is, like, just looking at it on the surface, Barbie has, like, a million jobs. Okay, like that's what we know about Barbie. <laughs> Barbie's been a teacher. She's been an astronaut. Yeah, she's pilot. been a cowgirl. She's been a pilot. Mm-hmm. She's been a, a construction worker. She has all these, and I know, it, it, and they have other characters, other other Barbies that do all these mm-hmm. other things. They they have all they rule the world. The Barbies rule the world, and the Kens <laughs> are the one. They have no personality. They're just yeah. kind of arm candy or genitalia, and so. I'm assuming well, none of them, <laughs> even the women don't have genitalia, but, uh, sure. the, uh, but the whole thing is like, and, and I've, I've read some of that, that, that plays into the movie that like the dudes are side characters. And like, then when they go yes. to the real world and they find out that it's like, there's this patriarchy and Ken's like, Oh wow. So guys are in control here. Like, yeah, 
like that but it's true like for anyone to to refute that is ignorant but then to like to try to control the narrative of what happens in barbie land come on guys (laughs) that would be like someone getting pissed off about the lego movie like you know the these people are too square you know there there aren't enough (laughs) rounded edges like come come on this is you're you're getting worked up about a movie about a doll stop it you're embarrassing yourself you should yes you should not be threatened by that you're insulting the world so stop um thank you yes my uh my obsession i've i've i dove back into this recently uh i don't know if you've seen this joel but the new the chris pine uh dungeons and dragons movie it's so good i still have not seen that i i see it's on video on demand now and uh yeah Yeah. i'm I'm intrigued both by reviews from uh from you and others i've seen you've got man you've got to see it this movie is so fun and clever and and it's so it's so delightful, especially in the face of the the last time that they tried to make a movie with Jeremy Irons uh, and Marlon yes, Wayans. And, you know, I tried watching it again recently. I was telling Jay, like, I, I had it on on my phone and was trying to watch it after we saw the new Dungeons & Dragons movie. Phone. And what's, what's funny is, like, there is a point where, like, this theme of honor among thieves is spoken, like, two or three times. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about the halfway point of that movie. And I'm like, that's the subtitle of the movie that just came out, Honor Among Thieves. I wonder if that's like yeah. a, a deliberate nod to the old film. Like, okay, we're An still... An official sequel? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but no, dude, like this is... It's so... It's so... The only thing, the only criticism really that I can give this movie is that like my favorite character mm-hmm. is maybe the one that they develop the least, but she's the one that kicks the most ass. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm okay with that. It's um, the tiefling character. She's uh, Her name is Doric, and uh, she uh, she yeah. turns into like a huge owlbear. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's badass. Ooh. In fact, uh, her she's the, the <laughs> character that um, she plays the girl in It. The new version of it. Oh yes, um, that's right. And I can't remember. No, yeah, she's everywhere. The actress's name, Sophia Lillies. There you go. She's great. Yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome, and she keeps it up. Like the whole cast works so well together in this movie, and and that's like to have a movie that feels like a Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. campaign. Straight, I mean, complete with a character that feels like an NPC. That the DM just kind of made up to oh, guide yeah. to guide the party through a dungeon. It's oh, like fun. this character, he shows up just to guide them through a dungeon and then walks off into like the sunset and is so typical to his character type. Like they they pay attention to the character types. Like you've got your uh, lawful good, neutral good, chaotic mm-hmm. good, uh, lawful neutral. Uh, like there's these different archetypes and oh, yeah. they... they they adhere to them really closely and man it's just if you're familiar with dungeons and dragons you're going to love it uh there's so many easter eggs and so many references that you're going to get but even if you're not familiar with it like my wife isn't familiar with dungeons and dragons or the lore and she had a great time with it as well i think that it's worth your time uh and yeah i've been it's been probably spinning on either on my laptop while i'm working or i've got it on the ipad while I'm sitting here at the house playing some games, uh, I just fan, man, I'm right. I, I, I'm obsessed with it right now. It's uh, <laughs> I'm going to check it time. out. I've been meaning to check it out. Um, the, the only complaint I, I don't even know that it's a valid complaint. It doesn't sound like it. Um, is that it wasn't 
meta. I think we all expect nowadays, you know, uh, thanks to the Lego movie uh, and, you know, continuing through now even to the Barbie movie. You know, Barbie isn't really about Barbie. Barbie's a, uh, the, the movie is a, a message about, you know, misogyny and the patriarchy and uh, maybe not so much. Uh, but it's about, you know, it's about uh, uh, Barbie goes out into the real world. Like there's some subtext to it. Yeah. Um, and I think people were expecting that with Dungeons and Dragons. And honestly, I kind of was. I thought it was going to be, yeah. all right, how are they going to work? You know, is this like a Jumanji situation where real people get pulled into uh, D&D, <laughs> much like the cartoon, the beloved cartoon? Yeah. Uh, but it's oh, not. Oh, man. But I, I, I kind of appreciate Great that. Great tip of the hat to that cartoon in this movie, is too. Is really? All right. Well, I mean. Oh, I'm, there there absolutely is. I'm sold on it. Uh, I, I kind of did want a meta version, but, um, you know, with you and I, Beginning this podcast talking about Guardians of the Galaxy and how that didn't really scratch the itch for a, for a fun escapist romp. Uh, it sounds like this one fits the bill. I think it will. I think, you know what, and, and I'm thinking like, it definitely felt like Guardians of the Galaxy in medieval times, like in a Dungeons and Dragons awesome. kind of landscape. There you um, go. There's the blurb for the, for the <laughs> DVD set. Yes. You're welcome, Dungeons and Dragons. Um <laughs> Shit, I forgot what it is. Oh, yeah, but if you really, if you want to see something like what Joel is describing, mm-hmm. a meta Dungeons and Dragons adventure, check out the episode of The Variance, Roll for Initiative. Oh, yes. Uh, you could find it on YouTube. <laughs> the Variance, Roll for Initiative. That uh, is the uh, the old web series I worked on almost 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we did an episode where we uh, were sitting around the comic shop playing Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, you get to see us slip between playing in the game as our character characters and then back around the table nice having little arguments and you know petty grievances with each other so you can check that out um or watch the 1981 classic starring uh tom hanks mazes and monsters you ever seen that one joe mazes and monsters (laughs) or never watch that do yourself a favor and never watch that that was on our uh, editing bay list and sadly we never got around to it maybe we'll bring it back i'm so i'm so sad that we didn't (laughs) Um, okay, so we're going to get into the meat of it now. This Let's is do part it. two of uh, of our show and tell. And uh, last week, Joel, uh, he, his show and tell was his his career path, his basically his life's obsession with uh, you know the art of of editing and creation. His his film uh, Cemetery Weed, which <laughs> have you loaded that yet? I did. Yeah, it's on uh, YouTube. Uh, if you do a search for Cemetery Weed, you will find uh, five entries for Cemetery Weed Killer. But then if you scroll past those, you'll get to Cemetery Weed on YouTube, <laughs> which is the actual uh, movie uh, that we were talking about last week. Yes, a little I was like, man, film. that guy from that podcast made a movie about just killing Weed weeds <laughs> in the cemetery. Yeah, sadly, uh, the, the SEO is not working on Cemetery Weed yet. But uh, yeah, go to YouTube, find yeah. it. I uh, it, it begins with the two-minute trailer. Uh, and then rolls right into the movie about an hour and a half. Nice. Um, I don't recommend anybody watch oh, it. Watch you can that. listen to last week's episode where we talked about it. But uh, if you want to, uh, and for those who were in it, uh, who <laughs> lent their time and talents, it's worth it for them to have uh, have it on YouTube. Spoiler: What my mm. obsession of the week is going to be next week? Oh no! Is going to be Cemetery Weed. Oh, no. I'll be like, I've been watching this movie. I don't know if you've heard about it, Joe. Oh. It's called Cemetery Weed Rough. Killer. Um, <laughs> all right, that's the so sequel. The point: the point of this this exercise was for us to kind of enlighten each other to share something. Like we talk all the time about what we have in common. We talk about our common interests all the time. But there are plenty of things that we're into that the other one isn't. And may not completely understand, mm-hmm. or maybe if they do, like maybe they don't understand 
what draws us to it. Uh, and so for me, something that I know for a fact that you are not into <laughs> and probably don't have much interest in at all would be professional wrestling. It's something that I've on and off again been passionate about since probably I was six years old. Um, wow. And yeah, it, it all started in the in the early 80s. Uh, my father would watch like WWF on TV and I just kind of would watch in passing. Like if it wasn't a cartoon, I usually wasn't interested in it. But, you know, one day my father came home. I guess he went to New York City to Madison Square Garden to see Superfly Jimmy Snuka in like a, yeah. a, a main event match against somebody. But he came home with this T-shirt of Superfly Jimmy Snuka jumping down to the ring. But it looked like he was like 50,000 feet in the air jumping down to the ring and i was like wow and he looked like a superhero and it completely changed my whole perspective on like this pro wrestling thing i was suddenly interested i was suddenly invested in watching this so i would watch every week with my dad we'd watch uh, it would be it would be on like there'd be shows on saturday mornings um and i know we talked about saturday morning cartoons this was also part of the saturday uh morning tradition was really? you know they would have wwf on tv sometimes i think sometimes they'd have matches on sunday afternoons they would do stuff on monday nights um and so we would watch together and suddenly i was kind of my my world was blown wide open when i suddenly was introduced to this world of uh of heroes and villains like hulk mm. hogan who's like the Superman of this world and Andre the giant, who was like his best friend, but then turned on him. Yeah. And it, it suddenly became like this world of really engaging and captivating stories that I completely bought too, like for a long time. And I know I wasn't the only one, like a lot of people thought this stuff was real. Oh, absolutely. And, and so like people kind of became invested. Uh, there was one night and I'll kind of, um, I'll kind of jump to this real quick and then kind of jump back. Okay. But my father used to take my sister and I to the the shows when they'd come to Rochester. They'd go to the War Memorial and we'd go see shows. They never really did TV tapings there. Maybe once in a blue moon, but we never went to the TV tapings. But we definitely went to house shows. So we saw like all the classics. We saw Macho Man Randy Savage. We saw Superfly Jimmy Snuka. We've seen Andre the Giant. I saw Andre the Giant wow. versus the Ultimate Warrior. I've seen Hulk Hogan. I've seen Brutus the Bar. Like, uh, 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 what's his name? Um, Rowdy Roddy Piper. All these guys, you know, saw them in their prime doing these house shows. That's awesome. And uh, afterwards, my father was like, oh, yeah, they all go eat at this place called Tip Top right outside the, the airport. What? After the shows, they all go. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they come on. And so after one of the house shows once, he gets me and my sister, packs us in the car. We go to this Tip Top place and mm. we sit down. No one's there yet, but we grab a table. And, uh, and we just, he orders us some food and he's like, just wait. And sure as shit, this place starts filling up with like, oh, there's Brett the Hitman Hart. He comes walking in <laughs> with ravishing Rick Rude and there's the Red Rooster. And what? No, what? That's Rick Martell. Like they're all these wrestlers. Sure you're making up some of these names, by the way. No, they're, they're, all, they're all real <laughs> names. They're all walking into this restaurant. And they're all talking and like j laughing it up with each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You guys are like sworn enemies. Like, you. And so that's when uh. I learned like, 
oh, like this is all a show. Mm. And my father kind of explained, he's like, it's like a play. It's like they do a stunt show. And I was like, oh, so like I'm eight, nine years old when I realized mm-hmm. like, oh, this stuff isn't real. They're just they're putting on a show. But to me, I didn't care. Oh. It was still awesome. Like, and Joe, you're absolutely right. Uh, like some of the friends that I had, uh, who you know, I didn't dabble in it myself, but uh, I had friends who uh, you know watched WWE or F back in the day. I don't know which one. Back in the um, day, yeah, yeah, we're into wrestling, uh, and that was totally like a school ground fight that was had. You know, a verbal fight between kids. <laughs> like it's re- no, it's not. It's totally real, dude. The ways you know, so um, oh yeah, quite familiar with that. And uh, yeah, I really don't think it was common knowledge that wrestling is quote unquote fake until you and I were well into adulthood, maybe. Yeah, that's when when probably the the mid nineties to mm-hmm. mid to late nineties when Vince McMahon finally came out and admitted like, oh, go. this is this is all predetermined. Theater. Like this is this is it's it's all staged. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the the fact that like there's this whole thing and they call it protecting kayfabe and they use this whole carny speak they kind of protected that for a while but you know what's what's fun was you know we we went to this place had somebody one of the wrestlers uh terry taylor who was the red rooster sat down right next to us in a booth right next to us and i couldn't help but keep staring at him and my father like (laughs) would nudge me he's like joe stop that's that's rude don't stare and he eventually looked over and he was like it's okay and he kind of slid over closer to us he was like you are you wrestling are you a wrestling fan you like this did you go to the show tonight it was like yeah yeah we had we had a great time he's like yeah what did you like what did you like about it and like we sat there for like 45 minutes just jawing with this guy and other wrestlers would come and sit down next to him and kind of shoot the shit with him and and then also talk to us a little bit and like it was it was really cool. Now there were some guys that came in and would like keep up the character, like Ravishing Rick Rude. Oh, kept really? up the character. He he acted like a, a you know a jerk, and that was him protecting kayfabe. He was protecting the uh, the the now, illusion. Now what does that mean? I'm not familiar with that uh, that phrase. It's it's protecting the illusion of of the reality of wrestling. That like what are you saying? There though? is kayfabe? an actual a feud protecting kayfabe. K a y f a b e. What does that stand for? I don't know. It's oh, like okay. that's their their carny speak, protecting <laughs> oh, kayfabe. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, but but it was a it was an eye opening experience. But the thing is, like, it didn't turn me off from it. It just for me, it just kind of enhanced the superhero aspect of everything that was going on. Like I was just like, I love it. These guys are telling these really cool stories. Um, And one of the best stories, and one of the things that drew me in, happened in probably 1985. Hmm. If Hulk Hogan was the Superman of the WWF, and he certainly was, they had a cartoon show that was based on him. Oh, he was. He transcended uh, yeah. wrestling. Yes, I was aware of him. He was everywhere. He was huge. Hulkamania, man. And his best friend for a long time was Andre the Giant, and that was in the cartoon. Andre was his yeah. best friend, and Andre was a huge hero for a while. Uh, if you remember the uh, the Cindy Lauper Goonies Are Good Enough video, oh, yeah. it's full of wrestlers. You have Captain Lou Albano playing That's her right. dad. He's played her dad in a couple of different videos. Uh, she was tied in tight to the whole wrestling community uh but then like at the very end you you have like (laughs) so you had rowdy roddy piper and the iron sheik rest in peace uh both of those guys uh, playing like a bunch of guys trying to to run cindy lopper and her family out of their gas station that they ran and then cindy lopper finds a cave underground and like finds the goonies and then they find the ship or whatever and the ship is full of pirates that that are played by all those wrestling villains and stuff and at the end 
they come back to the gas station where Roddy Piper's trying to close them down and they summon Andre the Giant who chases all the bad guys away. Like that's that was <laughs> the fun of wrestling back then. Um, but so if Hulk Hogan was the Superman, then Macho Man Randy Savage around 1985 or so, Macho Man Randy Savage probably would have been like the Batman. Uh, and I'm using Ooh. that term very lightly. But he was like... He had that hero stature, that face stature that was just as good as Hulk's. In fact, I would say that Randy Savage was a better wrestler than Hulk Hogan. He just didn't have the look or the charisma. He had a lot of charisma, but he didn't quite have the same thing that Hulk Hogan had. Hulk Hogan had that yeah. star power, especially at his peak in the 80s. Hulk Hogan just really had it. Oh, yeah. um, it king of all media film tv he's the howard stern yeah <laughs> <laughs> the king of all medium film no holds barred that's right uh, <laughs> one of my favorite movies uh so hulk hogan and randy savage formed a team called the mega powers and they they fought against i think it was andre the giant and uh the million dollar man ted dibiase mm -hmm. and i think they were like the 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 mega bucks or the the i can't remember what they were um but like that was their whole thing was they fought against those guys. And now Randy Savage had a valet who a valet would be somebody that would come with you down to the ring, like a manager or whatever. But her name was Miss Elizabeth. And there was always like mm -hmm. this whole like, do they are they together? Are they not together? Are mm -hmm. they a thing? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Little Kermit Miss Piggy thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So like <laughs> for four years, for the better part of four years, these two were like the tag team champions and they they basically ruled the roost in the WWE and then eventually like there started to they started to add in in the storyline there was like some jealousy where it mm -hmm. seemed like Hulk Hogan would try to protect Elizabeth a little too much and Savage would get you know a little territorial about it and then like maybe they'd lose a match and Savage would blame Hulk and Hulk would be like I'm sorry I thought I, I tried to be there and like they started creating a, an air of animosity between the two of them until uh in one match uh Macho Man got distracted and Hulk was was kind of outside the ring trying to do something or other, you know, trying to keep the bad guys at bay or, or what have you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so Macho Man goes to hit one of the guys and instead the guy <gasps> moves out of the way and he accidentally hits Elizabeth. No. And Elizabeth falls. Elizabeth falls off the ring. <gasps> and and I sent you I sent you links to this too, oh, like the it. different eras of the mega powers. This is great. So if you. If you go to, I think it's the second link that I sent you. Okay. It's when the Mega Powers first form and Randy Savage like announces that Hulk Hogan's always got his back. Uh, it was from WWF superstars from like July 30th of like 1985. Okay. Um, for that one. And it's, it's crazy. No, no. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage officially formed the Mega Powers. That's the name of that. Oh, from three years ago. Here we go. All right. I'm going to play it real quick. It's only two minutes. There's Randy Savage. With the with the world title, he was yep. the champ at the time. There she is, she's pretty, dude. She was beautiful. I used to have a poster of her on my wall. Yeah, with that eighties hair. Everybody's pretty mom. <laughs> That's what she looked like. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She's Elizabeth Shoe. <laughs> Here we go, working up to the big reveal. There he is, the Hulkster. <laughs> wow, this must have been. Uh, like Bugs Bunny and uh, Mickey Mouse coming together. <laughs> yes, it, it was. It really was. But the best <laughs> is when they when they would do their handshakes. <laughs> like there was just so much power between the two of them. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it happens at like the two minute mark. And I love looking at Elizabeth's face when they do this. It's so ridiculous. Oh, this is, I've seen them do this before <laughs> where they, they draw out the handshake. <laughs> yeah. I've seen this so many times. There we go. But it's like Savage has to hold his wrist <laughs> to keep it outside. <laughs> It's so dramatic. Like Hulk kissed him there at the end on the cheek. <laughs> so that was that was the origin. That was the birth of the mega powers. One of the the first like I would say like one of the first crossover like super team ups of World Wrestling Federation. Like you know usually at the time you had like these big names and they kind of did their own thing. Like th- that was when it was very very common to see jobbers like if you watch wwf on tv and you saw a name person and they were going up against so a jobber is somebody who's just like paid to make somebody else look good they're basically paid to come in and lose um Ah, yeah so got it that would be like ringer so if you saw somebody who was a name talent and they were going up against like floyd johnson like someone you've never heard of you knew Floyd Johnson wasn't going to win that match. Like that was just, <laughs> and they, yeah, they very rarely put like the big names against other big names on regular TV shows, especially sure. when they started their pay-per-views. Uh, they would save those. They would kind of create feuds. Oh, yeah. Every once in a while, you would see like the main event. Like you would watch an hour show of WWE or WWF, and you'd see these names against mm-hmm. jobbers, the whole card, and then the final match of the night would be like, two named people that was pushing one of their stories forward. Uh, And it was very rare, though, that you saw like two huge champions, two huge names like Savage and Hogan. Yeah. Like them teaming Teaming up. up. That was that was I mean, Hogan teamed up with like Brutus, the barber beefcake once in a while. But there was in (laughs) no way that was in no way as big as, you know, as seeing these two. The only thing that would come close is Hogan and Andre working together and at that point it was done andre turned on hogan uh and i think it was like wrestlemania 3 was when they had their beef and uh and yeah that was that was the stuff of legends who controls the narrative in these because i know you know vince mcmahon he's a name that i know and and i'm gonna be you know peppering in my limited knowledge about wrestling throughout here because you're you're really filling in the holes i'm recognizing some of these names and i know some of the some of the beats um Uh but yeah this is this is a learning uh, exercise for me um, well, they have they have development teams. They have writers. Uh, Freddie yeah. Prinze Jr. wrote for the WWE in the nineties uh, or early two thousands, rather. For, yeah, Freddie Prinze Jr. He was a, one of the head writers for WWE for a while. Um, wait, wait, in fact, he he has a, a podcast that he does. I think called like Wrestling with Freddie or something like that, where he talks about his old stories, writing the storylines for WWE. Not Freddie Prinze Sr. Freddie Prinze Jr. The yeah, actor. Freddie Prinze Jr. The actor. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, he would have been too young back then. I would have thought. No, no, no. I'm talking about. I said in 2000s, like the the early oh, 2000s, mid 2000s. Yeah, where, where he was he yeah. was doing that. Yeah, I mean, when when you stopped seeing him do like a bunch of acting and stuff, that's what he was doing. When he was doing <laughs> the Scooby Doo awesome. movies, that's what he was doing. He was. A, I had no he idea. Was, well, there he you was go. writing wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so Vince McMahon has a lot of say in that. He he yeah, controls a lot of it. Um, but then, you know, you talk about current times and you have some other people that uh, weigh in. A lot of pe- a lot of other people that have control. Uh, Triple H, who used to be a wrestler. I mean, st- I guess still wrestles once in a while, but uh, he is now mostly in creative. He puts together the creative. Mm. Um, there was a guy named Vince Russo who was responsible for the very popular Attitude Era that hit in the late 90s. 
and uh, and then they tried to take what he created in WWE, and he was pulled over to WCW where they tried to do the same thing and failed miserably. Uh, but yeah, there's usually a, a team of writers that put together stuff, and uh, and then it's up to the wrestlers to kind of tell that story in the ring. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when we get to the Attitude Era, when we talk about some of that stuff, we can kind of dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, because um, I was about to ask you because you're using that terminology, and and um, it, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued that there are different eras of, and, and I guess you know even in my own life there are obviously we talked about you know the. Uh, uh, era when when it was in question whether these were scripted or not. Um, yeah, and and I guess you know the cat's out of the bag now. And I remember people thinking, well, that, well who's going to watch wrestling now? Everybody knows it's fake. But that was never its appeal. No, <laughs> it's. Yeah, I mean, it, it. From hearing you tell it, and from what limited I've seen, it feels like soap opera for dudes. Exactly, and I mean that in a in in a, in a loving way. Uh, but yes, yeah, we, when it's done right, we want the drama, we want the relationships, but ultimately we want uh, our problems solved through fisticuffs. Right, yeah. that's what dudes are like. Absolutely. No, and see, there's there's the different like having strong writing having a, a good plot line mm-hmm. and good story and uh like full f- and it doesn't have to be like the good guy winning but as long as it's a satisfying ending to the feud mm-hmm. that's usually pretty good but like if you can throw on top of it some uh, like a strong match like yeah mm-hmm. like you, you you've got something going there like one of the best matches ever was like macho man randy savage and um uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and I think that was WrestleMania three uh, for the Intercontinental. I love Champions. these names, and that was like that was probably one of the first great matches I remember seeing. Uh, what made it great? The, what makes a great match, just in general? There were a lot of uh, like high high risk maneuvers, stuff like that. Um, a lot mm. of dynamic spots, a lot of uh, power shifting back and forth. Um, that really got the crowd into it too. It gets you invested. Like the sign of a really good match is when you suddenly find yourself rooting for both of them. Like you're just, you're really into what they're both doing. You're not really worried about the story. It's what they're putting out there. Like when you could tell someone's putting their heart into like their performance like that, you can't help but cheer that on. And that's what you were getting with the Savage uh, Steamboat match. Um and That's so, a good point, you know, because I'm I'm making a big deal about you know kind of the writing and the storylines and the characters, but really, you know, can't lose sight of what this is all about, which is like the wrestling match itself. And you're right, so much of that storytelling is done through the match itself. Yes, um, everything else is kind of just set up. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, I, I'm I'm starting to understand, and throughout the years, um, but even through this conversation, just kind of like what attracted you to this. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it it sounds like obviously you've got some some deep rooted childhood memories yeah. where you were enamored by this, where you discovered it. It's a, a a moment that you shared with your father, so it has some some sentimentality there. But then, um, you know, one one of the things I could never reconcile, uh, you know, as as a a non wrestling fan, um, because honestly, I didn't really have a lot of friends into wrestling. Uh-huh. Um, I had I had one friend who was into it, a really cool guy, Chris Garcia. Uh, he, you know, we played video games together. We had similar sense of humor. Uh, we did we collaborated on school. He was way into comics. But but here was this one area where he was just as passionate about it as you are, Joe, and I didn't understand it. And uh, in, in maybe an elitist way, I don't want to say I looked down on him for it, but it was just like, this looks dumb to me. Mm-hmm. Like, these these people are clearly acting. I'm mm-hmm. not buying any of it. Of course, this is when I I was missing the point, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
And the moves kind of seemed rudimentary. And even like playing a wrestling video game, you really kind of, you know, there's a lot of like running back and forth and bouncing <laughs> off the wires and you know, the, the ropes. You see a lot of the same moves. The ropes, thank you, the wires. Listen to me. Well, obviously a fan. They didn't get a wrestling game right until like probably the, the late 90s, early 2000s yeah. as well. Yeah. So the, what was that? That was, um, oh, dude, it was, it was an, the N64. Um, yep. WWE game. I, I, I can't remember what it was called, uh, yeah, but it was it. it was for the N64, and it was outstanding. Um, it was a WWE, WWF. Still then, it was it was WWE, or no, it was, it was WWF. No, sixty four game. Was this WWF No Mercy? Yeah, I think it was No Mercy. WWF Warzone. Yeah, no, it was. I think it was No Mercy. Yeah, I think you're right. And by the way, while I'm looking things up, uh, kayfabe. Uh, is a term used in professional wrestling referring to the preservation of the scripted nature of the sport. Yeah. Kayfabe. Kayfabe. There you know, learn something <laughs> new. But, but now I kind of understand as somebody like yourself who appreciates, you know, fine media, TV shows and films, um, I was never able to reconcile how you could, uh, you know, appreciate both things at the same time. Yeah. You know, the, the I don't want to say highbrow, but, you know, the highbrow and the, and the lowbrow. Oh, there definitely isn't any highbrow. There's no highbrow to it. But there, there, <laughs> but there was a finesse. And, I'm, and it's going to take me back to talking about the mega powers here for a second. So the mega powers formed. Great. And then I told you about how, like, you know, they ended up exploding. They disbanded because Macho Man Randy Savage accidentally hits Elizabeth on the on the side of the ring uh, on on the apron as they call it and Hulk Hogan seeing her injured in the middle of a match grabs her picks her up takes her backstage while Savage is still in the match with two other people and he ends up uh, getting beat horribly uh, left him out yeah, to dry left him, out to, left him hanging and so then Savage rushes backstage and they end up getting into this huge fight and and that's it the mega powers are done and uh, Savage has completely turned heel at this point, which means turn bad guy. Uh, he's turned heel mm -hmm. and Elizabeth is forced to pick between the two of them. Like, d does she stay with with Randy Savage? Because like, that's her guy. That's who she's always been with. But then Hogan is the, on the right side of this. And she knows that he didn't mean mm -hmm. any harm and blah, 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 blah. So there's this whole fight with basically the fate of Elizabeth in the balance. Uh, which leads to WrestleMania five and the mega powers as the whole thing, the mega powers explode. Uh, and so there's this match against, you know, between Hogan and Savage for the world championship and, uh, and Hogan, I don't know, maybe it wasn't, I, it, the championship may not have been on the line, but, uh, but yeah, they, they fight Hogan ends up winning, leading Savage down this path of, of like being this heel and he and Elizabeth split. So, it remains like this. Hogan goes on to other storylines, and at that, eventually, uh, Randy Savage wins the Royal Rumble and becomes the or wins mm -hmm. King of the Ring and becomes King Macho Man Randy Savage or the Macho King rather, and uh -huh. uh, and ends up uh, hooking up with Sensational Sherry, who's kind of a villain valet. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. And so she like there's this whole thing where she's kind of like she twists him and she's she keeps up the heel thing going with this guy and so he creates you know he's got feud after feud he um he ends up having this match in wrestlemania 7 
All right. So now it's been two years and there's this whole thing that's been going on. Elizabeth has been out of the picture. We've watched Randy Savage go down this path of being this like fallen hero who's gone way. He's gone Mm -hmm. just the wrong direction and become the worst version of himself. And so it's this retirement match between Randy Savage and the ultimate warrior. The loser has to retire. Ultimate Warrior wins. Uh-huh. He beats Randy Savage. Elizabeth is in the audience watching, and she can't believe like he's been beat. And there's Randy Savage after Warrior leaves the ring. Randy Savage is still in the ring, beaten down. And Sensational Sherry gets in the ring and starts kicking him while he's down. Oh right? no! Uh, and this is the, the another video that I sent you. Oh, let's see. All right. It's, uh, what, let me see. It's titled, yeah, the WWE Classics Randy Savage and Elizabeth Reunite March 24th. Now, this one's like, it's like an eight-minute clip, but you should watch the, you watch the whole thing. Yes. All right. Here we go. It's over. Holding up the, uh, is that Sensational Sherry with the face makeup on and the uh, yes. silver bow in her hair? Yeah. There he is. That guy's yoked. Yeah. That's the ult- ultimate warrior. Randy said on the ground, Warrior grabs his jacket because <laughs> that's what yeah. you need before you leave I love the his ring. coat of many colors. Get your your <laughs> yeah. sleeveless your sleeveless jacket. <laughs> yeah. Man, Warrior was my jam uh-huh. when I when I was ignorant. Yeah. I was an ignorant kid and Warrior was my jam. That dude had no charisma, no personality, but yeah. he had a great look. He's got a good yeah. look, yeah. Costume's doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. He ultimately beat Hulk Hogan for the championship at WrestleMania six. Hmm. Um, Uh-oh. and that was supposed to be this like big, like passing of the torch. And he ended up being kind of a disappointment as a champion. No, no, really. Uh, as a champion rather. All right. Here, here comes, uh, so warrior Uh-oh. wins the match and he, you know, he celebrates and he's on his way out and here comes Sherry. Uh Oh, here she comes. Oh, she's not happy. Oh, oh, and kicks him in the face or chest seemingly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh Oh. <laughs> That woman is possessed. <laughs> is that Vince McMahon on the microphone? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think it's it's Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here she comes. She's climbing into the ring. That's Elizabeth? Yeah. In the star yeah. jacket? Grabs her by the hair. Tosses her out of the ring. Oh, and the ref goes after her. Look at high heels and everything. Oh. She doesn't, he doesn't know it's her. And so the whole time you think he's going to like turn around and deck her again. Oh, yeah. He almost did. Uh-oh. I'm kind of caught up in this. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, dude, the the world that watched this was caught up in this. Yeah, this is... Like, this, was, this wasn't this was even the main event of WrestleMania 7. But really? this was the Dramatic. high point of WrestleMania 7. Yeah, get out of here. Oh, wow. She's legit crying. Yeah. And the whole time, like, everyone's expecting him to turn his back on her again. Yeah. Yeah. I love how they draw these moments out too. Uh, yes, like it's just it, like what's he gonna do? And it's all, you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of like like the Price is Right when uh, the guys are up there and how much are you gonna bid? One dollar. Yeah. What you got the people yelling from the yes, five hundred dollars? They wait on it. Oh, and then they embrace. Yeah, there and then the is. music swells up, and then you'll see they'll cut to shots of people in the audience and they're crying. This was uh, I'm getting chills. This was WWF <laughs> in at its best, playing the long game dedicated like to and what a risky move to take two years to play this story out and and it it has a satisfying ending and it's like what i said he lost the match yet he won the night yeah just like uh rocky 
Oh my and god. Adrian. <laughs> it's just like Rocky and Adrian. But that's but this is what I'm saying. Like this is this kind of storytelling is, you know, that's what what draws me into it. It's yeah. like this is satisfied. This is good. I don't care how you cut it. There's no way that you can watch this and be like, okay, you know, the, like they took time to develop a story again over the course of two years they developed this story about a, a hero that falls and then is redeemed mm-hmm. and it's like damn like that that's really well done it's again super that's what we love in the end. as humans so that was that's the story of the mega powers that that's kind of my journey through the early era of wrestling was through the mega powers forming exploding and then the redemption of randy savage uh it was after that not long after that rather that i kind of fell out of wrestling yeah. i didn't watch much of it i didn't my father would ask me like hey are you keeping up with it you watching hulk hogan and sergeant slaughter and i'm like no <laughs> no i'm good i'm i'm okay i don't i don't need to get into this it wasn't until the 90s till 19 like 96 or 97 maybe 98 even that I got back into wrestling through some friends. Like they were like, Hey, you want, you want to go to the wrestling show? I got some friends who want to go to the wrestling stuff. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I haven't been to wrestling in a while and let, let's see what's going on. Let's, let's see what, what the latest is. And this is when the attitude era was starting to kick in. Uh, and, and now would be a good time for you to hit that uh, degeneration X. All right, here we go. <laughs> now explain to me while I'm queuing this up with the attitude era. What, what do you mean by that? Or, the or attitude it, era yeah. is kind of like it's it's kind of like when wrestling got um, I don't want to say R rated, but it, there was a lot of like sex and mm. they they really played up the sex and yeah. the, um, the 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 the, the misogyny I guess of the whole thing. Like you had you had uh, wrestlers. It was kind of like they were taking they were taking elements of the early days of wrestling where like you had a character that was just kind of like your wrestler was your character. Like that was, and it was always some weird thing. Like you had like the construction guy or the fireman, but like in the attitude era, you had a guy named Val Venus whose whole thing was like, he was a porn star, but he was also a wrestler. Ah. (laughs) And it was like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, So degeneration X is what pulled me into the attitude era of wrestling it was like this group of guys they were kind of like the uh the rebels the the degenerates if you will uh they didn't follow the rules they did their own thing and none of them was ever actually like in kind of like the world championship picture except for Shawn michaels uh it was like this whole group that he created uh with a bunch of guys that were for the most part kind of jobbers but he created this uh this this click if you will of of wrestlers that ended up becoming like some of the most popular people in the business uh and they're the reason why like we see stuff like the crotch chop because that's what they did like i back just in saw the him day. do that yeah yeah <laughs> uh so yeah degeneration x uh kind of ushered in another a new era of wrestling for me where it was like you know again some compelling storylines it's where you know the rock got his start and came up in the business and found his popularity as a heel. The rock was one of the greatest heels in the history of wrestling. And it was because like the guy oozed charisma, even though he was a heel and you were supposed to hate him. People cheered him on. They loved him. It it was, I had never, I hadn't seen a heel like that since Rowdy Roddy Piper where like people just like relished 
in how ridiculous he was. Love to hate him. Yeah, how charismatic he was. He was always coming up with some cool like catchphrase or whatever. Uh, and and they just they had no choice but to turn him face because people were just so behind him. Um, but at the time, and you're going to see this, uh, you, you'll you'll see this video. It's the uh, Stone Cold's Greatest Pop from January 4th of 1999. And it was this match between uh, Mick Foley and The Rock. And what happens is like, it's supposed to be this lumberjack match. You've got DX outside the ring. Uh, you've what does got that mean, the, lumberjack the corporation. match? Uh, it's so basically it means like if one of the wrestlers goes outside the ring, a bunch of guys outside the ring can kind of beat him up and throw him back oh, in. <laughs> like you can't escape. Basically Jesus. you've got to, you've got to face the other guy. And so at some point, like the whole big brawl starts breaking out between all the wrestlers and the big guy at the time, stone cold, Steve Austin, dude, if you heard that you hear that glass break right before his music starts oh, yeah. and the crowd goes fucking nuts and that was kind of a a indicative of the time though like whenever someone's music hit there would be some kind of pop some kind of reaction but this was the biggest one i'd ever seen uh and what's funny about this is that um during the monday night wars god i'm jumping all over the place (laughs) there was a thing called the monday night wars and it was like wcw was on tnt and they had monday nitro and it was completely live for like three hours Monday Nitro, but then you had WWE Raw, which was on USA, which was pre-recorded for the longest time. So one night, uh, not just any night, January 4th of 1999, you're watching WCW Monday Nitro and the announcers get on the air and they say, hey, guys, we just want to let you know. Uh, don't even bother, you know, switch switching over to the competition. Uh, Mick Foley, mankind, ends up winning the world championship uh, title. What? So so they like they try to let the cat out of the bag. What they don't realize, though, is that they end up shooting themselves in the oh. foot because all the wrestling fans are like, wait, what? And then and flipped so, over. Like, the numbers for that night, they flipped over. The numbers for that night on Raw have never been beaten. <laughs> like they, they were just through the roof. And that that led to the demise of WCW and eventually WWE buying them out. Uh, uh, several years later. Oh, is that how that yeah, started? Uh, but that's eventually... take me through because there's the WWF. Uh huh. There's the WCW. Okay, and then yeah. they merged. So WWF uh, was Vince McMahon's. Well, Vince McMahon's father's company, and what it was is like there were three or four different territories that uh, Vince McMahon's father, I think it was Vince McMahon Senior, uh, that he owned. And that they ended up merging them and making them the WWF. Well, then eventually they had to change the name because they lost the copyright and World Wildlife Fund retained uh, it. So they had to change it to WWE. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but Got it. at the same time, Ted Turner had been in talks with uh, Vince McMahon to give to put WWE on his stations. Well, Vince McMahon didn't like the deal that they were offered, so he decided to keep it. Well, Ted Turner at this time, I guess, was like buying up other territories himself. And they created like they Mm -hmm. they ended up forming like the WCW and putting WCW on TV. And they Uh. he put it on Monday nights to go up against the WWE. And for like a long time, WCW was killing them every Monday night. They were winning the early Monday Night Wars. It wasn't until the Attitude Era 
when things started to shift the other way and there started to be a, a lot more competition. But WCW always had the edge because it was live. <laughs> and then that one yeah. night, man, when I think it was uh, Tony Schiavone goes on the air and he's like, don't even worry about going to the competition. Just let you know, Mick Foley, mankind is going to win the championship tonight. So you don't even have to go over there and look. And everybody lost. They were like, what? This dude who everyone was behind, Mankind, Mick Foley, everyone loved him. He was kind of like the man of the people. Yeah. Uh, he had like several different personalities and stuff. But for him to win the championship. Yeah. like looks like Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Exactly, yeah. But like he <laughs> is not what you imagine to be championship material. So you would never, you would be like, what? No. And and people loved him. So of course you're going to well, flip over and see. I'm watching like, the way that it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, and I'm watching the way that it played out, which was not what you would expect. Like, it's one thing to know the ending, but it's all in, again, it's all in the storytelling. It's all in, because there's a couple of flip-flops here. Yes. For just from what I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, and so that was- What did you call him? You had a, you had a term for that earlier. Oh, um, the power shift? Like the, the, the shift- of, Yeah, power the, shift. The, the shift of power. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or the swing in momentum. It, it's whatever you want to call it. But- at the time in the Attitude Era, you had uh, like a dozen or so different personalities, different characters, and mm -hmm. every one of them had a storyline, had a, a, a deep storyline that was working all at the same time. Uh, you had The Undertaker who had his own storyline. You had Stone Cold Steve Austin who had his own yeah. thing going on. You had DX that had their own thing going on. Uh, you know, the, the, there there was uh, Edge and Christian and The Brood. And, like, you had all these different people, and they all had satisfying stories going at the same time, unlike just 10 to 15 years earlier when it was like you had Hulk Hogan and, you know, maybe Randy Savage. They had stories. Two people, yeah. but you had a whole roster of guys getting a great amount of attention. You went and saw house shows and you saw like a, a killer card all the time. Like the product was killing. And eventually they took their product live. Not only were they live on Mondays, but then they expanded and started doing a show called SmackDown, which was pre-recorded for a while. That oh, was on yeah. um, uh, UPN. <laughs> they 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 threw that on UPN for a while. Ah uh, yes. Uh, and then eventually, ECW. Eventually, SmackDown went live. So you had two nights of live wrestling, and and WWE just started like they were man. Because I think it's because they went. I think it was Wednesdays or Thursdays. It was whatever night. WCW also had a show called Thunder that was midweek, and so. That's what WWE was doing. When they started winning the Monday Night War, they ended up taking it to WCW mm -hmm. on their other night, their second night, to see if they could win that one as well. Um, but, I mean, that's that's all beside the point. Like I said, the thing that drew me to it was that you suddenly had all these new larger-than-life personalities. You had some yeah. great storylines that were playing out. Uh, it, it, was, it was incredible. And I stayed, I stayed engaged in that for a while. In fact, in that time... There are a couple of pay-per-views where you might catch me sitting on the front row of a couple really? of a couple of events. <laughs> uh, sp awesome. Specifically, there's a a SmackDown, uh, or not SmackDown. There's a um, a Survivor Series that was here in Dallas, and I think it was 2003, 2004. Um, mm -hmm. and me and my buddy Shannon are sitting in the front row and you see me mark out for John Cena, which what does that mark mean? out means getting like all fanboyish. No. <laughs> yeah, being a, a huge fanboy. 
Uh, and the thing is, I had no idea who John Cena was. <laughs> I was just trying to get into it, like being at the event. Uh, but yeah, like that's that's probably around the time, like the early 2000s was kind of when I fell out of it again uh, and kind of got focused on my job, focused on other things. The thing that was always, I was always getting out of wrestling when I was kind of getting into girls, no, absolutely. <laughs> when I was like in a relationship, I got in a relationship and it's like, I'm not watching wrestling anymore, uh, which is yeah, kind of I don't amazing have time or money for this. Anymore. Yeah. Yes. And, and God bless Sarah. Like she's been, mm-hmm. she's been kind of supportive it, it, at one point. Yeah. She bought me, she bought me a WWE subscription when they used to have their wow. own network. <laughs> she had like she got me a subscription yeah. for it. Uh, One of the things that's that's jumping out at me is um, just the size and immensity of of this industry. And you're talking about you know it airing on multiple nights, and then they added another night, and there was another network that was on at the same time. And yeah. um, it's so a couple takeaways because one for me as I'm you know in my mid twenties as I'm flipping through the channels and I see anything WW fill in the blank like it may as well just be a blank space for me like I, on, the, on the TV guide like yeah. I, I, I blocked that stuff out because I wasn't interested in it for whatever not realizing how pervasive it is and as you're listing some of these names that I know for somebody who doesn't yeah. follow for them to uh, you know permeate mainstream culture and for me to have been exposed you know I, I know Macho Man Randy's well you know everybody knew him but I know St- Stone Cold St- Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, the, the Rock, all these personalities that now we just accept as actors that we see in yeah. all of our, which back in the day for me, they were always, you know, the, the Hulk Hogan's and the Rowdy Rowdy Pipers were always kind of silly to me. And yeah. I feel like um, now maybe they could have, and obviously both of those uh, uh, personalities did kind of transcend wrestling, and we saw them in other other places and, and film uh, to varying degrees of success. Um, but just the fact that um, you know we had it was it was rare for a breakout star to kind of cross over back yeah. then, and then here it's just it's just accepted. Like it's, it's just another place. John Cena. You got John Cena's in movies mm-hmm. now. The, the Rock has got his own media empire. Who's God bigger God. than The Rock? Nobody. Exactly. No, nobody. Yeah. You know, Luke, our friend Luke and, and I will uh, will have this discussion. Uh, I mean, we've had it once or twice where I'm like, do you think John Cena is ever going to hit that 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 peak that the rocks at? Mm. You know, will he ever be rock status? And there was a time where I doubted it. I was like, eh, I just don't think he's got that star power that the rock has. But the more time goes by and the more I see John Cena in things. Yeah. I think it's possible. Like I, I, I feel like he has to get to that point where he can pick and choose a little bit more what he does. But I mean, just in the past two or three years with Peacemaker alone, I yes. think John Cena has shown a lot of range and a lot of potential. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very excited to see what he does every time he's got something. I'm like, all right, I'm interested. I'm in. Put me into it. I think he's probably a better comedic performer than Rock personally. Yeah. I well I I guess yeah I can I can agree with that I think that um I think one of the things that frustrates me about when they do that crossover with wrestlers mm-hmm. is they always give them like that shitty kids movie 
Yeah. <laughs> like we're gonna put him in a kids movie yes. so we could see like the sensitive side of this like this wrestler yeah, guy there's the tooth fairy or the one where john cena is a fireman oh and God, like this yes. kid is stuck in a it's like come on man let's and i guess that's what i liked about rowdy roddy piper i don't think he ever had one of those it was that's like true. they live yeah, a movie where he's aliens. beating the shit out of keith david for like two minutes about sunglasses <laughs> put on the sunglasses listen to our they live episode uh, on the editing bay from a few years back He's as well as so no holds great. barred. I love, Check that out while you're there. I loved Roddy Piper. Oh, he was man, great in that. so much. But but yeah, like and so because of because of our mutual friend Luke, mm-hmm. um and I think I think not just because of, but thanks to our mutual friend mm-hmm. Luke, I don't think I'm ever fully out of the wrestling thing again. Yeah. You know, and you got uh, a man maybe, on the inside. You know, much just maybe much to Sarah's chagrin. Uh <laughs> but uh but like he's always inviting us over to watch like the latest pay-per-view but yeah i mean luke now has a whole company where he he shoots wrestling shows he produces right. the the video elements for wrestling shows and he's fantastic oh, yeah. at it uh and it's thanks to him that you know i still kind of keep a toe dipped into this stuff um and and i enjoy it you know it's there there's there's fun escapism to it uh and i think it's a fun thing that we can share uh i obviously you know i've i've tied it into other things in my life uh when my wife and i got married i walked down the aisle to bobby Roode's theme song <laughs> That's right. which i i do not regret at all i thought it was fantastic it was awesome. um yeah, hell of an entrance but but the uh, but but at its heart, like wrestling has always been, and I guess coming back to what we were talking about at the earlier part of this podcast, when I was like, "What's wrong with just having popcorn fun?" Yeah. You know, just 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 being fun instead of it having to be serious. Why can't we just have fun? And for me, that's what wrestling is. And now nowadays, you know, wrestling is giving you know it's giving you some decent stories. There's some good stuff that's going on, but you're seeing athleticism in wrestling now. Like oh, you've yeah. never seen before, uh, well, and, and especially the female roster. Like yeah. they are, they're really being serious now about how they treat the female talent. Well, you've talked, and you know, we we're talking earlier about uh, wrestling being fake, um, and even that is is an insult to say because um, while the storylines and some of the characters and dramatization obviously scripted, you mentioned they have writers. Um, the moves and the danger and the the physicality that these people are putting themselves through. That's all 100% real. Um, you've spoken on this yeah. podcast before or on some of our podcasts before about, uh, you know, injuries, deaths even um, that yeah. have occurred at some of these live events. So uh, there's there's real mm. consequences for uh, uh, what these performers are putting their bodies through. I think the most notable being um, the death of Owen Hart. Uh, yeah. I can't remember the, the pay-per-view, but he, he was playing a character called the Blue Blazer and uh he used to make an entrance by rappelling down from like the rafters and apparently there was a problem with like the safety with one of the wires <sighs> or maybe he wasn't even harnessed in but he fell straight from the rafter down to the turnbuckle and you know just basically impaled broke his Jesus. broke his neck uh and you know a, a, there's still a lot of um a lot of resentment there that the fact that they continued on with the show after he passed away and a lot of people like going back and thinking that was the biggest mistake and i'm one of them i think that the, yeah. that show should have been canceled they should have never gone on with the show a man died and then vince mcmahon said no we still need to you know do this show to make our money and 
I think that's it's a disgusting choice to make. And believe me, like there are times when I I question, like, do I want to support this thing? <laughs> right. Because I know that the person who runs this company is horrible. Uh, and there are other options now. There's AEW, which is great, but love that Ruby. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but it's like you know, if you you want to watch the talent that you like, what do you do? Like, where 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 do you yeah. draw that line? Um, one thing I wanted to ask because I'm as as this is starting to take shape, as I'm starting to realize like what it is you 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 fully appreciate it, what you, what you what you get out of it that I've been missing all these years. And if you've listened to our past podcast listeners, uh, obviously we alluded to the fact that we've reviewed some movies featuring wrestlers. The aforementioned No Holds Barred, um, and also um, movies about wrestling. Uh, what was the one with? Uh, mm-hmm. Who was married to Courtney Cox? David. David Arquette, ready to rumble. David Arquette, ready to rumble with David Arquette and Scott Kahn, right? Yeah, About yeah. A couple of wrestling fans who are trying to make it big. Um, I started to see the passion. And Macho Man it. Randy Savage is in that. I, he's in that, isn't he? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he's also in the first of... Spider-Man movie. Oh, I love him. Oh yeah, Bone Saw. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Three minutes of playtime. Like he's great. In that. <laughs> but uh, it, it always seemed like such a you know, to use the word macho, macho kind of world. Um, I'm not really into, you know, we were talking earlier about alpha males and how uh, there can be kind of a scourge of humanity uh, if left to their own devices. And and this, as a child, to me, you know, as somebody who was into cartoons and Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles, like wrestling, it didn't seem like there was a place for somebody like me there seemed like a lot of machismo. Um, I, I wasn't into sports, so I wasn't getting, you know, my athleticism. Like w- when I met you, and you and I haven't so many things in common, except for this one thing. And so I, was, yeah. I never really kind of understood how you could be into everything else I was into and yet uh, derive entertainment from this. But but I, I understand now. Um, yeah. I, I'm never going to be as big a fan as you or um, Luke or uh, Danny. <laughs> But I can appreciate it on a certain level. One question I do have, though, is talking about that that you know machismo. Um, I, I, my brother-in-law is into wrestling, and he's somebody else who's kind of like somebody who I respect, who was into wrestling, who I, I, I've kind of been ushered into this world a little bit through him. He takes my niece and nephew to wrestling matches, so he's exposing them, and I see what they get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he also talks about how, well, yeah, you see a lot of MAGA hats in the yeah. uh, crowds there. There's a lot of right I think for the majority of what you're looking at, the majority of your crowds at wrestling shows, I think I think it's safe to say would fall under that category. Yeah, um, it, which is probably another reason why I, I didn't connect you with it because um, there weren't a lot of fans like you, Joe, or, or, or my buddy Chris, that you guys kind of seem like the exception rather than the rule. Do you still kind of see that in today's uh, yeah. wrestling? Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. However... It has gotten more progressive. Um, well, yeah, they let women wrestle now. Not because of like Vince McMahon. But no, I mean, not just because they let women wrestle, but they also like there is a, a an amount of respect that's being shown to the female talent in the WWE Good. Um, that you've never seen before. It's progressive, but I think people like Vince McMahon, I think, are still they're they're still kind of the scum of the world. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. I think he seems like a great asshole. I think the greatest thing that will happen to the WWE, it's kind of the same thing with, that I used to say about the Raiders uh, and I say about the Cowboys. The greatest thing that will happen to this product is when the owner passes away. Uh, when Vince McMahon dies, 
I think it's going to be, well, but, but for a couple reasons, I think that his daughter is a much more savvy business person, businesswoman, mm. uh, than, than he's ever been. Uh, I think that his son-in-law triple H, uh, is far more creative and way better at developing talent than he ever was. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's, that's why we've had for so many years, uh, such a great product and so many such great breakout talent, I think is because of triple H. Um, but just to go back to what you said about like the, the, the machismo, um, you know, that I think at its heart, like I said at the beginning, like the thing that drew me into it, because I'm kind of like you, like I, I, I played football for a little bit. I played hockey for a while when I was a kid. But I was never like a wrestler. I don't. I don't think I ever would have classified myself as like you know uh, an alpha macho type. But the thing that drew me into it was the superhero aspect. You had Hulk Hogan, yes, and his superpower was like if he gets beat up enough, eventually he becomes invincible. <laughs> like, it's he, like Popeye, he gets his ass kicked long enough, and eventually there's just a switch that turns in every classic yeah. Hulk Hogan match where like he gets beat up, gets beat up, gets beat up, and then suddenly he just gets beat up so much that suddenly nothing hurts him anymore, and he's able to get his second win, and he's like he gets stronger the more that you hit him. And that's uh, that's what drew me into it is that that superhero aspect that the the heroes and the villains, the stories that they were telling, yeah. the larger than life personalities as great as the personalities are in wrestling and there's some great talent now i don't think you'll ever have that same like like how the greeks had titans i don't think that you'll ever have personalities and so it's kind of ironic that they used to be they used to call it or i think the the parent company of wwe is titan sports or it was titan sports at one point Mm. but they truly were like Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, R- Ravishing Rick Rude, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, Classy Freddie Blassie, Gene Okerlund, Bobby the Brain <laughs> Heenan. Like all these guys are larger than life. And and it's like you, you, I could just imagine them like existing forever in the halls of some weird redneck Valhalla <laughs> where where they where they wait they wait for their descendants to join them you know like it's yes. it's a weird thing like I see the talent now and I see them as like like how I would look at like NFL quarterbacks you know I see them as just mm. kind of modern talent but that talent that built the roster back in the day people like Rowdy Roddy Piper like they're immortal and and to yeah. me, they 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 always will be, and it's it's in no small part because of the characters they played when I was a child, and mm-hmm. and that's I think the uh, the rabbit that I keep chasing every time I get back into wrestling, I want there to be that one personality, I want there to be that one thing that draws me back into it. Is it going to be that Macho Man Randy Savage reuniting with Elizabeth storyline? Is it going Mm -hmm. to be the Rowdy Roddy Piper that just that killer personality, that guy that gets it on the mic or on that same token, is it going to be another uh, 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 Dusty Rhodes who, you know, a man of the people, uh, a great wrestler, but also just a a talent like you wouldn't believe a personality that filled an arena, Uh, you know, who's going to be that next person and ironically right now if i were to choose i would say that that person is rhea ripley the women's champion Mm. she is killing it right now in modern wrestling she is just like nothing i've ever seen she's 
all the promise that China had back in the day, back in the Attitude Era, uh, mm-hmm. had they developed female wrestlers as well as they do now. Back then, this is what China could have been. But Rhea, uh, Rhea Ripley is just on a whole other level. And there's probably three or four other wrestlers that are just as good as she is, ready to carry the torch when they're ready to, to pass it on. Like, it's just, it's, huh. it's great. And it's nice to see an emerging talent that has, that has that it factor that they used to have back in the day. Have you uh, have you taken any of your either of your children to uh, to a match? No. Exposed them to wrestling? <laughs> I have not. Like Harper's watched it a little bit on TV. Um yeah. James hasn't really watched any, but uh but yeah, obviously I've taken my wife to WrestleMania. I've taken her uh to really? to Monday Night Raw. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's there I think That's there's awesome. a picture of us together at a WrestleMania. Um That's when funny. I was with Cumulus, I used to get uh uh suites, a uh, seat seats in the uh the, the Cumulus suite. Uh, and mm-hmm. we would go to the wrestling shows when they'd come into town and, you know, we just kind of kick back. Um, yeah, it's I don't know if it's the kind of thing I want my daughter to get into or my kids. Like, I think yeah. I've become kind of a weenie really? just because, again, there isn't really that superhero aspect, that fantasy aspect of wrestling now. Um, mm. it, it's kind of what it has retained from the Attitude Era. A lot of it is kind of like the language and the aggression. I guess I want I want Harper like I want her to wait before she gets into this. I want her to I want her to understand that like you know problems don't actually get solved by violence. <laughs> and and I guess that's the thing <laughs> yeah, you know. Lesson. And I, I don't know why what makes her more special than me, other than she's my child. But like you know, my father did that with me. He showed me this stuff, and I I think I turned yeah. out okay. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, that, <laughs> you, you pose a really good question there. <laughs> now, I'm just curious if that's something that you feel like you want to share with your children as they get older. Maybe not so much Harper. I understand that, but uh, you know, little James. You know what? Maybe classic matches. If I could like grab like mm. classic matches, classic WWE matches, maybe share the 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 Randy Savage storyline with my kids. Like, hey, look at this. Like how I have with you. Like, take yeah. a look. Watch this video. Now watch this. And can you imagine? Like for two years, they built this guy up as like the biggest villain in the company, and then slowly, you know, meticulously started to break him down again to to prepare him for his redemption. Like that's again, like I would I would point this out to anybody who's into like script writing or story writing or just yeah. character development. Take a look at this stuff. And on that same token, um there is a video a, I don't know if I would call it a documentary, but more of like a, an oral history of the of WWE uh focusing mostly on like the attitude era. And it uh, created by John Landis's son, Max Landis, who's done a couple of films. I think he did like that ultra whatever movie with Jesse Eisenberg, uh, oh, American, yeah. ultra, American ultra, whatever, whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, Some beer. So he's he's a little douchey, but this video is really fun. Uh, there's some celebrity cameos in it, but he kind of gives you oh, a history yeah. of wrestling. It's called Wrestling Isn't Wrestling. And he kind of breaks down what you had said about like, it's not just wrestling like it's like it's like game of thrones but it's on like every week and it just happens to be dudes and tights that are fighting each other but like the storyline specifically the storylines you know up through the attitude era and he focuses a lot on the story of triple h uh and it's it's really fascinating uh but i would recommend if you're not into wrestling but you're still kind of curious what it's all about check that video out 
because it's it's super entertaining. And if you are a wrestling fan and have never seen this video, check it out as well. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot of you're going to have a lot of fun with the references and uh, and you'll you'll already be like one step ahead of him while he's telling this story. It'll be stuff that you're familiar with, but told in a way that you haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's my um, that's my show and tell, man. Uh, <laughs> the the world of wrestling. One more question before we uh, wrap it up, uh, because oh, we've sure. talked a lot about the stories and the characters and the the through lines, and 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 I see it. You know, some of the the terminology and the things that I look out for now in films, thanks to you, thanks to doing eight years of a movie podcast with you, um, I I see how you 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 recognize them in in wrestling, uh, and how that's one of the yeah. things that drew you in. We haven't really talked a lot about you know wrestling moves themselves because. I, as somebody who wasn't into the characters of the story of the machismo, uh, I could at least appreciate the athleticism and some, you know, yeah. that's where I learned what a pile driver was and a half Nelson and, and, and some of these things sure. that we were recreating on the, on the playground. Um, is there a particular wrestler who, uh, who had a, a signature move that really stuck with you or, Oh um, man. Well, so obviously as a kid, there was Jake the Snake Roberts and his DDT. Um, Jake the Snake. But, uh, but I think if we're, if we're talking modern era, um, I don't think anything beats Randy Orton's RKO. Uh, that's, now, what is that? That's just, it's amazing. Now, everybody's finishing move, it seems like since the Attitude Era, it seems like there's a dozen guys who have a finishing move that's just kind of a variation of the Stone Cold Stunner. And that's kind of what this is. It's kind of a stone cold stunner, but Randy Orton has had different ways that he has performed this RKO that have been breathtaking. Um, he once pulled an RKO on a guy who jumped <laughs> off the top rope to, to body, to body slam, like this body slam jump off the top rope. Uh, and Randy Orton gets up to his feet, like in a split second, jumps up, grabs the guy's head and brings it down. Um, and, and that's the, uh, I don't know if you've seen the internet meme, the, from out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> but that's what this comes from, from out of nowhere. It's the RKO. There was one at WrestleMania, probably about eight years ago. WrestleMania, it was Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins used to do the move, the curb stomp, right? So oh, like God. a guy would be down on all fours and he would jump up, put his leg on the guys. And what's great about wrestling moves is like the person performing the move mm -hmm. is basically like just kind of an accessory. The person who's actually doing all the work is the person that's supposedly getting hurt. Uh, <laughs> yes. If you really pay attention to the moves, like when people give each other the suplex, you can always see like they're actually protecting each other's necks. Yes. The way they do it. There's always, there's always a method, like the way they lock up the guy who's, you know, the guy who's the aggressor is always kind of using his left hand and they do that, you know, for the camera angles. They also yeah. do that to be ready for whatever, like there's always a methodology to it. But so they did this thing that Seth Rollins was going to do the curb stomp. They were fighting at WrestleMania. Uh, Randy Orton's on all fours and Seth Rollins runs, jumps, puts his foot on the back of Randy Orton's neck. Randy Orton lifts him up, like j pops up and lifts uh, Seth Rollins up in the air. And so that way he, he has a little time. Randy Orton gets up, grabs him and comes down with the RKO. <laughs> and it was outstanding in fact i'm gonna try to find the video of it right now yeah. um randy orton seth rollins rko yeah there it is uh rko now what does rko stand for 
uh well that's his those are his initials the rko oh randy oh, the, oh so they so something. he had his own move so it's like named but it's like him. knockout ko like knockout like rko um got it, got it. it's randy right. ko all my youtube ads now by the way are wrestling ads thanks for that funny there we go oh wait for it oh <laughs> Amazing. That did look impressive. <laughs> I got to see that again. I got to rewind that one more time. I should put the links to some of these videos in the show notes. If you're listening, check it out. Hopefully yeah. I've done that. Right off the shoulder and boom. Wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> see, this is what I'm talking about. That's this impressive, is the stuff. man. I, I have seen a WrestleMania or two. My aforementioned friend Chris Garcia would pay for the pay-per-view uh, when WrestleMania came on. And I remember going over to his house at least once or twice and uh, seeing what it had to offer and being like, all right, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not into the characters of the story, but uh, man, this is some, for all those people who say this is fake, like these yeah. people are actually doing these things and yeah. uh, that looks impressive. And, and friend of... Friend of show Danny Saint will tell you, like, you never say it's fake. Oh, yeah. There's nothing fake about it. Like, it's predetermined. Mm -hmm. You know who's going to win ahead of time. Sure. But, like, you, but. these moves hurt. Like, they, these people are actually going through this physically. Joe, you know a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Has there ever been a time where uh, something was pre-scripted, pre-ordained, and maybe one of the performers went off script does, does that happen i imagine that would get yes. you blackballed in the wrestling world pretty yeah quickly. well there was something called the montreal screw job back in the late 90s it was sean <laughs> these all sound like sex moves by the way <laughs> i know right the I montreal it. screw job uh so it was sean michaels versus brett the hitman Hart. brett the hitman's heart uh brett the hitman Hart was about to leave wwe he had told vince mcmahon like hey i'm gonna leave wwe i'm moving on to wcw uh and so they had told him, like, we want you to drop the belt. We want you to drop the title to Shawn Michaels. And Brett was like, no, it's my last. I think it was like WrestleMania or something. I can't remember what pay-per-view it was. But I guess he didn't want to drop the belt to Shawn Michaels. Uh, and so they, uh, they, Vince was like, okay, fine. Whatever you because want to do. Because of bad blood or something? We'll, we'll let you know. It's just he just wanted, at the time, Bret Hart... <sighs> You know, I don't usually agree with Vince McMahon, and I didn't really agree with him here, but he does say something when he's been asked about Bret Hart in this situation. And he said something along the lines of, like, Bret will always be Bret. Uh, Bret started off oh, as... That's a backhanded compliment. Yeah, Bret started off as, like, kind of a tag team talent. He used to uh, be in a tag team with his brother-in-law, uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And Bret eventually kind of... Uh, transcended that and became a great solo talent and became the champion and it went to his head he became a, a bit of a diva and kind of expected everything mm -hmm. to be his way and uh, became a bit of a crybaby and brett hitman Hart, unfortunately his legacy <laughs> is kind of being a crybaby after that point like he just kind of whined <laughs> and and stomped his feet until he got his way and so when he decided like the contract that WWE was offering him, he didn't, you know, and, and I'm taking liberties with a lot of, there's going to be wrestling fans listening to this going, no, it was the show or no, it was because of this. Look, I feel like I'm getting the basic gist. So, you know, cut me a little bit of latitude <laughs> here. Um, so there were contract disputes with Brett and Vince, and he decided he wasn't going to stay with WWE. But at least he told him, because we're talking about a time where people were jumping ship and going to WCW and not even saying it mm -hmm. and showing up on WCW TV with a WWE belt. 
and like putting it in the trash can. Um, wow. Yeah. Like making statements. And so that's what Vince didn't want to see happen. He didn't want to see Brett show up on WCW TV with the world championship title. So he was like, we'd like you to drop it to Sean. Brett said, no, I don't want to do that. And so Vince was like, fine. Okay, whatever. So in the middle of this match, like uh, at, at some point, Shawn Michaels puts uh, puts Bret Hart just in like a simple submission move. Like it's one of those moves that like never ends a match. It's just something to kind of kill time while they're figuring Stall. out what the next set is going to be. What's going to be their next spot? <laughs> right. Well, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon comes down to the ring like and has them ring the bell and announce Shawn Michaels as the winner. <laughs> and Whoa. like Shawn Michaels grabs the belt, runs out of there. And there's this argument Whoa. like right there in the middle of the ring where like Bret Hart like starts cursing out Vince McMahon, spits in his face and then like writes out in the air the the letters WCW before it cuts. Ah. Um so yeah, that's the Montreal Screwjob. So how can you tell what was scripted and what is actually occurring between these well, individuals? One because like there's a whole documentary about it. <laughs> there's there's a whole there's this whole thing about it, the history. If you Google the Montreal, but if I'm up, watching that on TV, I'm just like, oh, this is all this is just part of the show. If, if, if well, if you're if you're familiar with wrestling, you kind of know that there's a cadence, there's an ebb and flow to a match, mm. and this. Did, did not, not have, have it. it like it, it ends really abruptly mm-hmm. and then there's no like championship celebration in the ring usually the loser leaves the ring and the the champ like will celebrate Shawn michaels grabs that belt and leaves ah. like just left <laughs> it out um there. yeah well, hightailed it out of there uh and yeah it was it was it was something and so like yeah there are times where people go off script more often than not it's the people that are in control people in charge uh, they go off script, but there are also times where, you know, you've got talent that don't get along with each other and they, they may like, you know, they, what do they call it? I think they call it, um, working stiff where mm-hmm. they'll actually like pop you. If there's usually you punch with like kind of a, you you don't close your, your fist when you punch, you keep the fist kind of loose and open, mm-hmm. but sometimes, you know. They'll pop you. They'll place. They'll, they'll work stiff and actually hit you with a with a fist. Um, there are guys like um, like there's a guy named Ryback that they used to always complain about. He's not in the company anymore, but they used to say like he always worked stiff. And it wasn't that he had a, a like a beef with anybody. Mm-hmm. He just didn't know how to like, control it. He uh, he was a bad wrestler. Yeah, and yeah, he would he would hurt people, which was never any fun. How is the world of wrestling now? You know, you've been following this for most of your life. Uh, you've talked about, you know, the heyday uh, and these different eras, the Attitude Era. Um, is it is it still growing as a as a sports entertainment, or I, have we plateaued? I, I think. Well, I think it's still growing in some places. I think there's still good development of talent. I think it's going. I think business wise, it's going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know WWE either sold itself to the Saudis to um, or there was an attempt to sell it to the Saudis and then the Saudis backed out. Um, (laughs) You know, it's a bad deal when the Saudis back out. Yeah. Which is a a whole other thing, you know, like I, I think that I think the business of wrestling is broken. I think the business of wrestling is bad and it's toxic and it's not healthy for the talent. I know John, uh, John Oliver did a whole thing about 
wrestling and how these wrestlers these they're they're still um they're still designated as contracted talent so they don't have insurance benefits oh god and so they have to get that stuff privately um meanwhile though if you are a talent with wwe they have you sign a contract where like your personality your persona your your whole gimmick belongs to them right but they're not going to pay your like your insurance they're not going to pay for your health benefits and like that's I think that's terrible. I, there, there are people that have that are paralyzed. In fact, just recently, a uh, former football player and former wrestler Darren Drozdov, who was paralyzed from an accident in the ring, oh just passed away recently. <laughs> really? And like from what I understand, like he wasn't receiving any health benefits oh, from WWE while he was going through all that. And that's that's a problem. That's pretty shitty. When Vince when Vince McMahon and his family are making millions of dollars off of your pain. Yeah. And and you can't go go to a hospital. You can't get proper medical care. That's broken, man. Yeah. And it's it's a shame because there's a lot of great talent. There's a lot of great personalities. And I know with the birth of AEW, they were supposed to be fixing that. But it seems like every company that gets into this ends up falling into the same pitfalls. And it, it's I've, obviously it's expensive. It's expensive to make sure these guys stay healthy. Sure. Uh, and so you you doing your cost benefit analysis. And maybe there's something to be said about living in that 80s era where you had like three or four really big faces, you know, really big personalities. Mm -hmm. And the rest of them were just jobbers, guys that you got whatever city you were in. You just kind of contracted some people that came in and lost to your big names. (laughs) Uh, Maybe there's something to be said for that. Maybe that's more cost efficient, Uh, but you're not going to be providing as deep or as rich of a product. No. Um, Yeah. So. How is you, it that, you weigh those options? How is it then that you know you talked about uh, WWE owning the personality and the name and the character, and yet The Rock has been going by The Rock well beyond his wrestling career. I mean, he now yeah. now he's Dwayne well, Johnson, right? But uh, I don't remember but, any lawsuits. I mean, he still they they still call him The Rock. I think though because he has a great relationship still with the WWE. Ah. Uh, he's he's retained that relationship with them, okay. but also the wwe benefits from him using that personality that's true they they do nothing but benefit from him still being out there using his wwe name that's right. he's not and here's the thing it's kind of like in radio where you have non-competes any company where you have non-competes i mean he's not in another wrestling company using the name the rock he's out there making a name for himself making a media empire starring in disney movies as former wwe's right. the rock yeah. So There's a TV yeah, show it, called Young Rock, right? Where it's all about Young Rock. His, his uh, upbringing. Which is, I mean, when, when he does the young stuff, when they really talk about like the super young stuff where he's like, when he's growing up around all the old wrestlers, like I love those storylines. I'm not so into like when he's in college or mm-hmm. whatever, but when he's like a little boy and like stories about him and Andre the Giant, like those are great. Well, yeah. Uh, hearing how you began this podcast with that story of uh, meeting your own heroes at that age, I can I can see why that would resonate with you. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've had my heroes, like each generation I've had my heroes. You know, I, like I said, I think there was, I don't think anybody who was into wrestling back in the early eighties, I don't think there was anybody that didn't like Hulk Hogan. Uh, I liked Hulk Hogan. There's just the guy was, like I said, he's the Superman. Uh, but then eventually kind of found my way, found, I found Dusty Rhodes and was like, Oh, I love the, I love Dusty Rhodes and I love Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, and then when I got back into it again, in the 90s, I, I started gravitating more towards Triple H. I like Triple H. I like The Rock. I like Mankind. Yeah. Um, 
and then I got out of it and then I came back into it and I'm like, oh man, I, 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 I really like this Xavier Woods guy. In fact, mm. that's one of my profile pictures on Facebook. It's these pictures of me and this guy, Xavier Woods, and it says new best friends. I've seen uh, that. And yeah, Xavier Woods is part of this group called the New Day. Yeah. But the thing that really turned me on to him is that he's a complete video game nerd. And he had his own like YouTube channel where he'd like backstage at wrestling shows like as he's waiting to go on, he would have little video game tournaments ah, with other wrestlers. That's awesome. And it ended up it ended up becoming huge. Like it became his own channel. It's why he ended up becoming like when G4 came that's back right. for that short time, he was a host on G4 because of his his relationship with video gaming. And he's just super nice, super charismatic. Uh and so yeah, I kind of gravitated more towards him, towards Randy Orton and uh and yeah, it, it, it's just it's fun. It's fun to have those people that when you get into it, you're like, yeah, like I, I identify with this yeah. person. It's it's nice that they could still find talent like that. Do you think there'll ever be a part of your life where you fall out of wrestling, uh, where you no longer watch it? Because it sounds like you still keep up with it today and uh, obviously fond of it. I very loosely keep up with it. Like just mm-hmm. uh, the, the last uh, the last Royal Rumble. I had tickets because of work. I had tickets to go to San Antonio and see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I drove down there and took my cousins and had a good time. Uh, I don't keep up with it regularly, so I don't know what's going on all the time. I think mm-hmm. uh, because of <laughs> because of uh, the algorithms now on Facebook or social media, yeah. like I'm constantly being updated on what's happening. Uh, like, like Bing, <laughs> Bing knows that I, I enjoy wrestling. So it's like one of the top stories. Every time I bring up like the Bing homepage, which is yeah. uh, for my work computer, apparently we're, we're forced to use like the Bing search engine or, or I can't, re- I don't know why, uh, yeah, but you. it's like that, the Google, uh, homepage and, uh, and yeah, it'll show me like the latest wrestling headlines and I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess this is what happened, <laughs> You get uh, me, but I haven't watched it in a while. But, you know, I do keep up with, like, some of the pay-per-views, and I'll watch what's going on with, like I said, with Rhea Ripley. Man, she's she's amazing. She's like nothing I've seen in a long time. Uh, just just a great talent. But, um, yeah, like, I, I I think that it's very likely. I, I think that... I think it's very likely that in the next five years or so, I could probably fall completely out of it. And then who's no. to say that in another 10 years... It comes back. Who knows? You know, it's just, it's kind of always there. I feel like, um, <laughs> I feel like uh, 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 James Earl Jones in Field of Dreams, where he's like the one constant through all <laughs> the years, Ray. But for me, it's going to be like, the one constant wrestling. was wrestling. You know, it's, <laughs> it was always there. Uh, so I don't know, man. It's, I think that it was etched so deep into my DNA as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I keep finding my way back to it. I, I, I can I can see myself living happily without it, but at the same time, I, why? <laughs> I, I don't know why. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't think I need it, but at the same time, if it's if it's here, I'll, I'll check into it. I'll see what's going on. I'm sorry, that seems like a real non-committal answer. Like I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. Oh no, that's a, no. I I understand. I know what it's like to you know ebb and flow uh, out of our. Our hobbies, our likes and dislikes as they evolve. Sometimes yeah. we evolve with them. Sometimes we evolve away from them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can I can see what a what a deep impact uh, the world of wrestling has kind of had on who you are, your childhood, your upbringing, um, and and the things that give you entertainment. 
Yeah. And it's not just, you know, the, the oiled up, slightly homoerotic <laughs> fantasies, but uh, yeah. uh, also the storylines and the performances yeah. and uh, uh, the pomp and circumstance. I'll tell you, man, some of my favorite wrestling moments have nothing to do with actual wrestling. It's yep, there you go. some kind of a payoff for a story or it's some kind of side bit that's happened. Mm -hmm. There was the return of Rowdy Roddy Piper at SummerSlam 88 uh, was this whole bit between him and uh, Morton Downey Jr. And they had yes. this whole like, duel of the talk show hosts or whatever. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, man. And it was it's outstanding. You know what, Joel? Eventually, I'm going to just send you randomly throughout the week. I'm going to send you like just my favorite my oh, favorite geez. bits from wrestling Spam. like that that have nothing to do with matches just my favorite bits and just yeah. see what you think about it Bring um it on. yeah so so there it is guys that's my show and tell uh my uh my appreciation love if you will of of wrestling and uh and and the the art of of writing those <laughs> those stories you know for for all the bad that there is and there is a lot of bad there is some gold to be found, some some stuff that redeems it in a way. Uh, so yeah, if you if you haven't if you haven't watched wrestling or if you haven't watched mm -hmm. it in a while, maybe now's the time to check back in. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe you'll enjoy it. I, I I joke, you know, I talk a lot about you know wrestling and and um, how I I don't understand it, I don't get it, but I do feel like I'm I'm closer to it now. I've, I can come to peace with what wrestling is for <laughs> for you and other people, and then to, just because it's not for me doesn't mean to, it doesn't have value. Um, and <laughs> you know, it's it, it just charged with more than just testosterone. You know, yeah. charged with emotion. Um, yeah. Yes testosterone fueled emotion there you go but also the, the theatrics of it you know you're yes. you're a, a theatrical person yourself uh so i, I totally get uh why why you're into it look and honestly at the end of the day if nothing else there is just so much fun to be had with when someone shoots a promo on someone and it's one of those stereotypical like what you gonna do brother hey right. brother like how how they had to like in those promos they had to like call somebody out give kind of a summary of their story but then yeah. also promote where they're going to be like i always mm -hmm. loved when they would be like so tonight <laughs> we're gonna settle it to uh, sunday night pontiac superdome yeah <laughs> like detroit michigan like cool man nobody talks that way uh for for a little bit i, I want to mention this one last thing uh, okay. because for a little while i used to manage a, a facebook group called the wwe hr department <laughs> <laughs> oh no and i would just like and it's probably still on facebook but mm -hmm. there would be like just different posts that were in the form of like letters from the hr department of like yep. you know hey guys Please remember that office furniture, like chairs, are meant to be sat in and not, you know, like. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, just like complaining about budgets or like, you know. Mm, uh, sexual uh, harassment. It, it, there's this sexual harassment. There's also this whole thing about like, because in wrestling, there's always been like the, the feud between like Vince McMahon, who's the owner of the company and Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin, who's one of his employees. And so there's this whole thing about like conflict, uh, dispute resolutions. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and this is not the healthy way to do it. <laughs> You're putting us in an actionable position. Like is, it was just a fun, a fun way to kind of process some of that stuff too. Um, uh yeah, so there, there you go. Uh, guys, we, I would love to know 
if you've got any kind of wrestling stories, if there's any anything about wrestling that you enjoy, I mean, I'm I'm not just talking to you, Luke, uh, or you, Danny. <laughs> I'm talking to to everybody. If if you got something about wrestling, if you're like, oh man, I love wrestling, I love this storyline, share it with us. All right, share it on social media. We are at Low Res High Def. Uh, and you know, if you're just trying to figure out more about our episodes, more about what our show is about, you can find us online at Low Res High Def dot com beautiful all right guys well uh we will see well, you well, joe, next week well go ahead well before you wrap up i do want to say joe thank you by the way for uh taking us through this world of wrestling letting me you did such a great job last week of kind of uh you know doing a little ama uh interviewing me i hope i have done you justice i actually could talk for another hour or so about wrestling i have so many questions so maybe oh, we'll man. do a, a follow-up episode we'll get luke or danny on and uh, do a part two but uh, yeah, I think that'd be fun. yeah, hearing your insights. Thanks for for kind of being open uh, about your love uh, and sometimes unlove for uh, the world of wrestling. <laughs> I think the best way to love something is to also understand how you hate it. There you go. Uh, and <laughs> and yeah, that's that's kind of wrestling in a nutshell. Uh, no, thank you, Joel. This was this was fun. I'm glad that you you humored me, and I was like, hey, let's do oh. a show and tell. And I know I've I've forced you to be maybe a little more experimental with some of these <laughs> episodes good. in this, this no, podcast. Uh, but I like uh, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to do it. Uh, I don't get a, a chance to dive this deep into wrestling in my everyday life. Uh, so it was, it was fun to do. <laughs> really? I got it out of my system. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, nobody wants to hear about it. Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, until then, uh, Jeff, thank you very much. Yeah. Joel, pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. And we'll catch you guys next week on the next low res high def. Take it easy. Yeah. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.